Hi, everybody. This is Kara Fitzgerald. New Frontiers in Functional Medicine is here every month, bringing you the best minds in functional medicine. And we would not be able to do this over the years without the generous contributions from our sponsors, Metagenics, Integrative Therapeutics, and Biotics Research. The mission of Metagenics is to lead the movement in making personalized nutritional intervention the standard of care in the treatment and prevention of disease and the promotion of optimal health. For over 30 years, Metagenics has been dedicated to scientific discovery, innovative products, unparalleled quality, education, and practitioner partnerships to support lifestyle functional nutrition. For more information, visit Metagenics at metagenics.com. Biotics Research. For four, over 40 years, the foundations of biotics research has been innovation and quality. Their goals remain unchanged. Innovative ideas, carefully researched concepts, and product development with advanced analytical and manufacturing techniques. Biotics nutritional products are of superior quality and effectiveness and available exclusively to healthcare professionals. Visit them at bioticsresearch.com. Integrative Therapeutics is focused on inspiring a better lifestyle through better health. By providing meticulously formulated nutritional supplements and valuable resources, Integrative Therapeutics promises to enrich your patients and embolden your practice. Welcome to your Integrative Therapeutics. Find them at integrativepro.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, where we are interviewing the best minds in functional medicine. And today we've got not only one of the best minds, but really one of the coolest minds, one of the, I don't know, kind of inspirational minds of our space. Uh, it's James Maskell. I know most of you listening know who he is. Um, he has spent the last decade innovating the cross-section of functional medicine and community uh, and he's going to talk about that today. You know him as the host and founder of Functional Forum. They've been doing that for years, putting out loads of pod podcasts, just create, actually creating community, just this really beautiful functional medicine community. We've got a functional medicine meetup here inspired by James and, 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 and the um, Functional Forum. Anyway, he's the author of Evolution of Medicine, The Community Cure, speaks all over the world. You've seen him at AIC and all the other conferences. James, it's just really terrific to have you here. Great to be here too, Cara. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast and excited to connect with your community today. So the first thing that I want to know about, it's sort of selfish. I really do want this answer. Like you're a fixture. I mean, really, when I, I would imagine the majority of folks listening to this podcast will in fact know who you are, will be familiar with your work, will think that you're inspirational and you've done good work. You're not a physician by training. I think you have an economics background. Um, but here you are in our world, just committed to revolutionizing it. So how did you, how did you end up here? So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting story. And I kind of came out of the closet in my last book at sort of like sharing, you know, the truth of it. But you know, the truth of it is I was kind of weirdly born into it. Like I, <laughs> I was born in a commune in Colorado that commune was like, you know, the people in that group were very much involved in like the very beginnings of the integrated medicine movement. Like they were all standard process reps. And if you know the industry, you know, back in like the 1960s, standard process was the only professional supplement company. And then the eighties, you started to see like metagenics and, and designs for health and these other ones come up. But like, I grew up in that and I was like yeah. the weird kid at school who did natural yeah. medicine 
I was the only kid in school whose mom like insisted that she be called before I be given antibiotics. And I just didn't realize like this was just a weird, um, that I was different from all these other kids in the way I saw a homeopath. Like I, I never really saw the regular doctor. And I just didn't realize that was weird until I got into like school and realized no one else knew, you know, what any of these things were. So um, that sort of set me up. And then I had a rebellious phase where I thought I needed to be an investment banker. I did a degree in health economics. And, and what I learned from that was the cost of care was going up in a like a really exponential way. And whether that's in the US where you can see that that was going up or in the UK where I grew up, where you know they have a single payer health system everywhere the cost was going up yeah. and i just sort of had a moment of clarity when i was working in the bank in the first years like maybe something of my weird childhood in this commune with natural medicine was like a solution to this seemingly unsolvable and super vexing problem and i just decided to take a punt on it and i um, i quit my job and i moved to georgia and i started working on the front lines of, of integrated medicine. So the first clinic I worked in was like a naturopathic clinic inside like a spa. And I saw people reverse their chronic disease. Like I saw it with my own eyes. I saw like not just the names going off the chart, but I saw people becoming vibrant, right? Yeah. And I didn't, I think most people just didn't know. This is 2005. Most people didn't even know that was an opportunity, you know, that was what was going on. I quickly worked out that, you know, clinical information in this space was like a black hole. Like you could never know enough. There was always more to learn. I mean, you've been doing this forever, how long? And I'm sure, you know, it brings a certain amount of humility just to how much there is still to learn, right? Yeah. And so I just realized that my, my skill was like practice management. That, that center that I worked in, in Georgia for the first two years, 2005 to 2007, it was run by people who had run spas. And the spa, the day spa industry was about 10 years ahead of the functional medicine industry and in understanding how to, you know, how to run a clinic and how to get cash from people and how to, you know, have a good operation. So we had a, an operations manual that was like eight inches thick. Every process was documented. It was run with like military precision. And then I came out into the world and now I was a supplement sales rep selling to practitioners and I just had this incredible knowledge of how to run a practice. And so I sort of positioned myself as like a practice management guy. And I was selling to basically a little bit left of functional medicine. So a lot of like chiropractors, acupuncturists, naturopaths, a lot of people who did muscle testing. Like I was in this super, super niche world of people that were like doing bioenergetic medicine. And I lived actually in Connecticut, not far from you. I moved to New Haven, Connecticut. And my territory was Virginia to Maine. And in the next four years, Cara, I got like a crash course in the industry because uh, I was calling 40 doctors every day. I was going into in practices that ranged from like people doing weird stuff in the garage of their house, you know, right through to, you know, physician yeah. specialists who were working in hospitals whose wife had like recovered from some ailment and had no idea what these little bottles did. And so I was just, you know, I, I got like a crash course in the industry. And then from there in 2010, um, I started my own practice management company. I had an opportunity to speak at a few conferences. Eric Goldman from Heal Thy Practice, really, he gave me the first opportunity to speak on stage in front of doctors. And I, you know, for the next few years, I spoke there and I spoke at some other conferences. 
And then, you know, I was sitting at the uh, Integrated Health Symposium in 2013. I was listening to Jeff Bland and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, this is like scientific enough for doctors really to get it. And I just looked around and I was like, I can't believe no one's like videotaping this. Like, why is this, this information is going out to a few people and then just disappearing. And that was what led to the desire to start the Functional Forum in 2014. Jeez, that's such a great story. God, that is so cool. I love it. I love the, I love just hearing your, the dots connect. Yeah, I grew up with, I didn't grow up in a, in a um, commune in Colorado, but my mom was really savvy. In fact, Deanna Minnick and I have talked about this, um, at the whole Adele Davis, you know, and, um, we getting brewers yeast sent by mail and all of these are we, the only way we could access organic was through mail and so we'd get these big packages in our houses and no they weren't like toys for me it was supplements and organic foods and now and I and I rebelled from it just it sounds like you went through a, a bit of a rebellious period and then it became my calling it's really kind of extraordinary I it makes sense to me now w why you are here I get just connecting those dots um and it just really makes sense. It's very organic how you've evolved and how you're, I can see why the community care book would be created by you. Um, and I remember learning about it. You and I actually were podcasting on some of my content and you were sort of opening my eyes to what you were working on. And it was just, I was very excited for you and just really interested. So talk to me about, about the book and sort of the motivation for you. I mean, you've just shared a lot of it, but you know. How did you, how did well, you end was, up creating this? And yeah, that was the initial motivation. I guess, you know, having spent a few years in functional medicine and, and helped to like help doctors make the switch to functional medicine and helped functional medicine doctors maybe like build business models that would make it more affordable, things like membership practices and telemedicine and whatever. I was sitting at the IFM annual conference. Um, so I had heard about group medical visits, the, the third heal I practice that I spoke at in 2013. And this was before the functional forum started, like three months before the first functional forum. I had heard Shilpa Saxena talk mm. about the group medical visits at Heal I Practice. And I was like, mm. this sounds interesting because now she's doing functional medicine on insurance, which I'd never heard of before. And at that point, I was like, okay, because I was always thinking like, how do we take this idea of reversing chronic disease and getting people well and make it available to everyone, right? More people need to get access to this, not just because they don't know it, but because they're never going to spend money outside of their insurance to do it. Yeah. So how is this going to work? So I heard Shilpa and I was like, okay, that sounds like an interesting piece. And I was actually sitting next to Shilpa at the 2015 annual conference uh, where George Slavich did that talk about human social genomics and basically put this slide up that said, you know, social isolation is the biggest driver of all cause mortality, more than nutrition and alcohol and exercise and, and smoking. And I was like, man, we're the root cause doctors, we're the root cause community. Yeah. And, and, and at this moment, functional medicine is really like being delivered in a very lonely way too. It's not, you know, it's, it's just still a one-on-one -on -one appointment. And if, if loneliness is the biggest driver of all cause mortality, like what are we going to do about it? So, yeah. you know, in the functional forum, I, I talked about group visits, you know, quite a lot here and there. And I tried to like get people on it and it was kind of a, it was not really like sexy, right? Mm -hmm. It was just, it was just something that I saw that was going on. It wasn't really being taken up a lot. 
And then, you know, my desire to, to write the book really shifted when I visited the Cleveland Clinic. So on the mm. bus tour that I did in the summer of 2018, I got to go and tour the Cleveland Clinic. And what I saw then was the thing that I always knew was kind of missing from Shilpa's model. Like Shilpa's group visit model was really cool because it was, it was efficient, right? It was really efficient to deliver information to 20 people at one time. And it was efficient to bill it on insurance and not to do five minute appointments with people. So I, I like that element. But what I really realized is that the power of the group is that, you know, you start to deliver value peer to peer, right? The value transmission is not just from doctor to patient, there's patient to patient value. And I just realized like that's not really possible in a one-off 90 minute session. So when I went to the Cleveland Clinic, what I saw was this was a 10 week program. And in that 10 week program, you know, there was so much to like about that program. One, you know, it was kind of like a, a funnel for, just think about the kind of people that are getting referred to the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. I mean, this is probably pretty sick people, probably the same kind of sick people that are uh, entering in your clinic and, mm -hmm. and probably most of the people listening to this, like chronic diseases, autoimmune, um, you know, all kinds of, all kinds of chronic illnesses. Well, in order to go and, you know, they would sort of dangle the carrot. Like if you want to see Mark Hyman, you have to go through this 10 week program where you're going to learn how to take care of yourself, read your own labs, how to sleep, how to meditate, how to eat. And, you know, I, I saw that one, the results were spectacular. Like people were getting really well, really quickly without a doctor. Like this was being run by PAs and health coaches. Secondly, it was on insurance, right? So this wasn't like outside of insurance. And third, on that tour, I met a PA who had never heard of functional medicine and never run a group visit before her training. But because there was like a very structured curriculum in six weeks was crushing it and getting people better through this model. And I was like, here's a scalable model that's available on insurance where we can get a lot of people well. And it's got the Cleveland Clinic stamp of approval. And so I was like, I want to learn everything about groups now. Like I just want to hear anyone who's doing anything in groups. Cause I'd heard of other people in like integrated medicine that were doing groups. And so after that tour, when we finished, I got home and I just put out a, a message to my community and said, look, if anyone here is doing groups, if anyone's doing anything interesting, I want to meet them. I want to speak to them. I want to hear from them. And that became, you know, the group visit. We, I did a series of podcasts uh, last year on the group visits and the first interview I did was with Dr. Jeffrey Geller, who's kind of well known in the integrated medicine world, and he's been doing group visits in federally qualified healthcare centers. And that interview was incredible. That guy is amazing. And after I did that interview, I was like, this has to be a book. And that kind of mm. what led to it. And I just followed the same kind of structure as the first book, which is kind of like a hero's journey to inspire the reader to want to do group visits. Like the first book was like a hero's journey for doctors to want to do functional medicine. And so, yeah, it just came together really quickly. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm still super, you know, excited and, and, and really indebted to all those physicians who kind of just took it upon themselves with some sort of like moral quest to go out and work this out at a time that it wasn't easy and just to be able to report all of those results in the book and sort of structure it in a way that anyone who read it would be like at the end of it be like yeah we should probably start doing these groups so um this is just again that's just very elegant and your journey you know just how you are articulating it and those key moments of inspiration are just really neat really nice um and obviously just i know this is jumping ahead a little bit but 
you know, Cleveland Clinic outcome in JAMA, pretty impressive. Any comments on that? Well, I do have some comments on that actually. Yeah. So, you know, so, so if you've read the JAMA thing from, from last October, what that compares is family medicine to functional medicine, one-on-one -on -one functional medicine, right? And the family medicine at six months increases 0.32 uh, promise score points and functional medicine is like 1.5. So, you know, there's a, a stark difference of six months between the outcomes of functional medicine and, and, and family medicine. But what hasn't come out yet, still at the date of this recording, is the results from the groups. And the reason why I knew about that too is that the Integrated Health Symposium 2019, I went to the lecture and I heard Mark share the, you know, preliminary information from that. And the, the outcomes from the groups is even more staggering. 50% of people improved by five promise score points or more. Five promise score points is basically like a complete reversal of chronic disease, right? So, you know, so that data, as far as I know, is not out yet in a journal, although it has been kind of talked about in different places. And Tawny talked about it in the interview that I did with her. She's the one who runs the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. So, you know, if there was some hullabaloo when those you know, results came out in October, I expect, you know, we should have a, like a street party for these results. <laughs> it's just so exciting. I can't wait. We'll link to this 2019, uh, the October 2019 write-up that we've just referenced, and we'll, we'll be paying attention. We'll keep our ears to the ground for any kind of uh, preliminary release of the, of the group finding. So where are you now? Um, when, was, when was Community Care published? So yeah, the community cure came out uh, January 14th and like the coronavirus was already in circulation in China. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so then the book came out, um, you know, we did a, uh, we did in the beginning of, um, in December, which we did like a group visit, uh, like boot camp, basically like a five day free challenge where we help people get their first group visit up and running. And, you know, in some ways it's been like tragic in that obviously there ain't no physical group visits happening, you know, anywhere around the country or anywhere around the world right now for the first time in human history, like everyone's doing the same thing at the same time, which is really, really interesting. Um, but you know, what, what's really, what's really t interesting actually is that, yeah. you know, in the, in the chapter seven of my book was the future. And I mm -hmm. talked about essentially where I see the group visit movement going. And what's really amazing is that, you know, what, what was pitched in the book as the future is now like definitely the present because ultimately, you know, I talked about the, inter you know, the, the connection to technology. And so like literally just a few days ago, I did a webinar on virtual group visits. A year ago, we had done a session in our practice accelerator on virtual group visits and how to use Zoom to be able to create environments where you know, you could create this kind of like accountability, support, vulnerability in a digital environment. And then some of the other things that um, I spoke about in the book as, as sort of like a future um, are very much like in the present right now. And, and I think some of what I spoke there, I think, you know, just in, the, in this last week, I've come to the realization that some of what I talked about in that book and some of the innovative clinicians in our space, you know, will be the sort of vehicle by which, you know, I think we've all said over the years, Cara, that in a few years, you know, we won't call it functional medicine. It'll just be medicine. Yeah. And I think that, I think what I've seen in the last week helps me think that this is not just some like 
you know, fantasy that a bunch of us are deluded by, but actually a very much emerging reality. So it's true. Um, certainly virtual visits, telemedicine has a leap forward. Insurance coverage is coming along with, I mean, the, art, the medical system is transformed across the world with, with COVID. Um, group visits, moving into that will be, uh, will be the next step, even though I think, in, as you say, in our committee, you're already, you're already teaching people how to do it. But like, I guess, so my question is, um, how do we, those of us who are inspired to launch into this group visit structure, how do we make that happen? Absolutely. So look, I mean, I think, I think prepping your clinics for like in-person group visits and innovating on the front lines of you know, of, of virtual group visits, it's time well spent. I mean, ultimately, in order, to, in order to do any sort of group work, what you need to do is have a structure in place to recruit the patients, right? And ultimately, you need that, whether it's virtual group or regular group. And for, for your average functional medicine clinician who's practicing by themselves and, and doing cash, you know, maybe it's not going to be so easy to execute. I mean, that's kind of some of the feedback that I got in the last years, realizing like, the group visit model for functional medicine is probably more like the way that functional medicine is going to make it into mainstream delivery systems. Like if I, if I wasn't dealing with COVID right now, like I had a plan to go and visit like the CEOs of hospitals all across the country and talk to them about the Cleveland clinic model, talk to them about different ways of doing group visits because finally, like I think we all have to take a step back and realize that, one of the reasons why functional medicine has not made it into, you know, into systems is because it's no, it's nowhere near as affordable or efficient enough to do it. I mean, look at, yeah. look at the continuum center, look at university of Arizona, look at, you know, up in, um, in Minnesota there, anytime like physician centric, long appointment, functional integrated medicine has been tried in academic or, or big centers, it's been a, a failure, not because like, if you look at the New York example in Continuum, it wasn't a failure because it didn't work, people didn't get better and it didn't bring new people to Mount Sinai. It was a failure because, you know, the, the, the people that, you know, when there was a takeover, they started to think, oh, well, how much money per square foot is the integrated medicine making? And they're like, well, it's not making as much as the heart stents. Let's do heart stents. And when the economists and when the you know, the business people get involved, it takes the heart out of it. And it really, you know, it gets, it gets taken out because it's not really efficient enough. Well, group visits is really the opposite of that. Instead of having one doctor spend a lot of time with one patient, you have one non-doctor spending a lot of time with a lot of patients together. And suddenly it is affordable and suddenly it is profitable to deliver, like really profitable given what I just shared is that you can book a lot of people's insurance at the same time for one lower cost provider. And then you can, you know, you can sort of subsidize the, the doctors by having a very profitable group model. Join me this July 23rd at 3 p.m. Eastern time for a live roundtable discussion with doctors Alana Curry and Jeff Bland and others. Functional medicine, COVID-19, and social justice. I hope you join us for this essential conversation. And so, you know, I think that for, for many clinicians, maybe it's not a thing that you're going to do, but if you are feeling called to it, where I've seen it be most effective, Cara, is mm -hmm. for doctors and practitioners that are busy and that have like waiting lists in their practice. 
So it's like, if you've, if you've built your practice to a point where you're right, really busy and you're booked out a few months ahead, you know, that's been a perfect moment to launch groups. So Terry Walls's groups, you know, launched because there was a resource constraint. Shilpa's launched because of a resource constraint. Also the Cleveland Clinic launched because of a resource constraint. There just wasn't enough yeah. care to deliver. So now we're going to do it in groups. And then when you launch it in groups, you realize, hang on a minute, like these people who were not able to make behavior changes uh, at home with no support or with just their wife are su suddenly now able to make behavior changes because they meet other people that are like them. Mm -hmm. And I think if there's one takeaway from the book that I would just want to share with everyone, if we're talking about new frontiers of functional medicine, it's that if your patients have never met someone who's like them, but is just a little bit further along in reversing their chronic disease with like a lifestyle root cause approach, you're doing them a great disservice, right? They need to see an example of what it looks like to reverse their chronic disease. And so, you know, in the last few years in the functional forum, we've showcased a lot of different models, some group visit models, some group like new patient acquisition models, like doing local talks where you invite your current patients to come back and give testimonials. Like in all of those situations, you're finding a way to put examples of people just like them in front. And I, I had this moment of clarity when I was interviewing Terry Walls and she was telling me about her group models because she told me that in her group models where like you think if you have MS, Terry Walls might be like your hero. They should be because mm -hmm. she reversed her MS. But what she shared was that in her MS groups, like the people that had been in her MS groups and had reversed their own, you know, had started to reverse their own MS in those groups were more powerful an example of her protocol than her. And yeah. she's the like hero. I yeah. was like, oh my God, this power of peer to peer is amazing. Cause even Terry Walls, who should be everyone's hero is saying that like, you know, someone else is their hero more. And that's some, just some random person in the group who's having success. Yeah. And, you know, for many of the clinicians in functional medicine who are like svelte and not chronically ill, you know, perhaps, you know, their, their overweight patient who's trying to lose weight can't identify with them because they're like, hey, you never know what it's like to be overweight because look at you. And I, I feel like that, you know, Walking the walk is walking the talk is is definitely important, but at the same time, we need to find a way to introduce every patient who's at the beginning of their journey to someone who's a little bit further down the journey, and that groups is the is the most efficient way to do that. I love it. Yeah, that makes total sense. I'm, so if I'm not correct me if I'm mistaken, but I believe Terry Shilpa and Cleveland Clinic are all doing their group visits within an insurance model. Is that correct? That is correct, as far so, as I know. I mean, and so how is this, it, it, it seems like this is a viable, perhaps more reachable goal for those of us in the insurance model um, already. Would you say that's true or no? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's good for that. Like I think in the cash, cash and, and groups, like if you're, if you're rich enough that you can pay cash, you know, then you, you maybe have an aversion to groups and, and, and one of the things that I'm starting to see is that, you know, white Americans, you know, the individualized culture of America has made it feel like people don't want to be in a group, right? They kind of associate it with like AA, 
And it's like, it's not really an aspiration to be in a group. But what I've heard from, you know, people on the front line, I've interviewed a ton of people, like ethnic groups inside the US, um, Asians and African-Americans, like have a lot more of a, like a, it's just normal to be in a group structure. They have a lot more of a community culture. And so, you know, if you're serving those kind of groups, Hispanics as well, you know, the group is just a lot more of a, like a natural thing for them. And so, you know, one of the things, what I've also seen is that when people, you know, actually get in a group, they can be resistant to getting in a group. But once they're in a group, they're like, oh, this is actually really amazing. And so I think we have to help people, you know, overcome that hump. And there's definitely projects that I'm working on to make it a bit more cool and aspirational to want to be in a group. Um, And so, you know, I think that's a big deal. But yeah, look, if you're taking insurance, I think this is a no brainer because the models are there, the insurance companies like it, you can scale it up. And, you know, what we're also seeing, like in chapter seven of my book, I spoke about a doctor in Houston called Dr. Cheng Ron. And what he was doing was, you know, he's, he's the one doctor that I know that is taking insurance, doing functional medicine and has his eye super, super clearly on the ICD-10 codes. And what he was able to identify when ICD-9 switched to ICD-10 in January, 2019, was that remote patient monitoring remote patient monitoring was now insurance billable. And so what he was able to do, which is really exciting, was to essentially do group visits plus remote patient monitoring plus medical nutrition therapy on Medicare in his like ACO and and build a profitable business billing insurance doing functional medicine, which is very, very tricky to do. The number of people that had been able to build a successful practice, taking insurance, doing functional medicine was small because mainly they were doing long consults. Whereas what he'd worked out was this group plus remote patient monitoring. And the reason why this is really exciting is because now COVID comes along and he's got this system where doing remote patient monitoring, well, guess what? There are two really important people, groups of people in the COVID thing that aren't really being talked about. It's like high-risk people who don't have the infection and low-risk people who do have the infection. And both of those groups need to be at home recovering or just chilling. And one of the things that he's been able to do is to see, okay, and this is why a functional medicine doctor had to come up with this, like there's a gap between healthy and sick. And if you can catch people in that gap, you can help. So as an example, you know, he, t- he told a story on a podcast I was on with him the other day of a couple patients where they had the remote patient monitoring. They start to witness that this person's temperature is starting to go up. It's gone past 97 to 99 to 100. So what do they do? They get over to the house. They get the vitamin C. They drop off the oxygen. These people, you know, have oxygen, have vitamin C, and the temperature comes down. Those people were, in- were infected. Those people were high risk. And they were on their way to being like someone that was going to be in the hospital, you know, if they hadn't have intervened, but they intervene early, they get the people's temperature down, the oxygen saturation, you know, come back into line. And ultimately you've avoided a hospitalization of a high risk person by having that kind of infrastructure in place. And, you know, we're in a situation today, Cara, where we have hospitals that are overrun and we have primary care doctors that are out of work. And it's crazy that that like that back and forth exists where, you know, we have, you know, overuse and underuse. And I think some of these strategies don't just make sense here are actually have been used effectively in Italy. And it's a decentralized community approach. And just with what I was saying earlier, when everyone in the country is starting to measure their own 
oxygen saturation levels. Like this is how me functional medicine becomes medicine because yeah. that is a measure of function. And ultimately what we're going to see is that once everyone starts measuring themselves, which has been a kind of a weird biohacker thing up until now, people will want to know, well, how do I improve my numbers? And suddenly the medicine that you know and love and that, you know, the whole community knows and loves will be front and center. And we're already seeing like echinacea is sold out. Um, you know, vitamin C is being used at hospitals. Like yeah. the weird medicine that was weird 10 years ago is not just cool now. It's absolutely necessary for the maintaining of health across a population. All right. Nicely said. Oh, my goodness. Listen, I just want to circle back to AA. You might be aware that Cochrane did a really good review of AA and determined it to be effective and, of course, considerably cost savings. So, Cochrane Review just popped, but put, looked at AA back in, in uh, March 11th, they published. Amazing. Um, so just, I, know, I know it is amazing. It's really kind of about time because we're, off, we're obviously in the middle of a pretty serious addiction epidemic. Um, not just opioids, but alcohol, food, et cetera. You know, the nine yards, I think we're in a full, full swing addiction epidemic. So to see these tools and to see somebody like Cochrane um, looking at it is important. Um, what else do I want to say? So it, I, so I think what you're articulating, so there's some of us like myself, I do a lot of, I do some clinic and then I do a lot of education for professionals and so forth. It's how my career has unfolded and I'm, I love it and I'm grateful for it. So some of us are going to remain in sort of this tertiary kind of a functional medicine practice. It's just what's what's working for certain models. And it's really good for that um, chronically ill individual who needs heavy hands-on individualization. So I think there's a place for this tertiary care model. However, the bulk of us, if we're if if functional medicine is going to be just medicine, these step-by-step out, this, this outline, this, this, the vision that you have and, 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 and your, experiencing, your experience of going around the country and figuring out who's doing it and how they're doing it and really teasing apart the step-by-step -step instructions, it's essential, James. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. I mean, we have to do it. Yeah. No, I feel super fortunate. I mean, right from the beginning, the first thing that we did at the Functional Forum was to set up these like uh, concierge calls where we would you know, anyone could call up and we'd hear about what was going on in their practice and we sort of helped them to find different resources, whether it was telemedicine or, you know, one big issue that we're seeing now and we're probably going to do another thing on it is a membership practice, right? Those doctors that have switched to a membership practice right now are so happy because guess what? The money keeps rolling in and they could do telemedicine appointments to make it. Whereas a lot of people who are still fee for service or packages, you know, they have to sell packages to keep the doors open, sell appointments, yeah. And so, you know, that's a big deal. But yeah, we saw, we, we had a really a window into what was going on and we just like kept our, you know, ear on the, the pulse. And for most clinicians, you know, like yourself, I mean, you have a bit of a different situation because you're like mentoring these other practitioners. But like for most people, they're having a very limited experience to what's happening in functional medicine. They have their own clinic and they have a few, you know, colleagues maybe they connect with and through yeah. the meetup groups and then through, you know, through our sort of role in the industry, all we've really done over the last six years is like found people that we thought were interesting and, you know, our sort of, what would you say? Like our, our viewpoint of what's interesting is how does, how do, how does this 
these concepts of functional medicine make an impact at any sort of like population level, which I think we can all, we can all admit to ourselves that functional medicine has yet to make an impact at any sort of reasonable scale. But I think we can all sort of intuit that it has the potential to because you know groups of people supporting each other to get themselves well or people reversing a chronic illness like if you've if you've ever had a patient that you know reversed their autoimmune disease and got off a really expensive medication you realize like you just saved whoever was going to pay that bill you know millions and millions of dollars over the next yes. 20 years by doing it so i think we all intuit that this is like something that needs to happen for medicine to really transform but we were all struggling to work out, okay, how does this happen at any sort of reasonable scale? So that's, you know, the work will continue. I mean, ultimately, you know, I started an insurance alternative because I realized like, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could create a way that the first port of call for people would be lifestyle and root cause approach and not the last thing when everything else hasn't worked. And, you know, all the other projects that I'm involved with are really to find ways to make it easier for more people to access the functional medicine operating system and, um, you know, and to, to grow access, to grow affordability, and to ultimately work out ways that this can be, you know, could become a standard of care. So you'll see, you know, see other things that I got going on. And ultimately, you know, the vision here is really just how do we make this really the standard of care? And it's going to look a little bit different than it has. And those clinicians that have been on the front lines for decades, you know, getting the results, it's built on the back of those results, but it just, it can't go on being the same old way, long appointments, That's all right. for cash, you know, right. whatever. It really needs to be lifestyle first, right? We really need to, you know, how many patients have you seen, Cara, that really didn't need a full functional medicine workup? They just needed to sleep properly right. for a bit, you know, yeah, right. to do a little so it has to be that. And then, you know, it really has to be looking to, you know, fire up this peer to peer delivery of value, because ultimately that's really the only inexhaustible resource that we have. So let me ask you, I just have a couple more questions. One yeah. is, um, well, just quickly, I wanted to ask you about the, the uh, insurance alternative. It sounds like that's going well. Is it working out? I mean, it's working out, it's growing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot through the process. Like ultimately my vision for what it could be straight away, I think it's going to take a while to get there. Once we get to a certain number of members, then we'll be able to really like, you know, enforce the rules that we want, you know, with our partners, we, there's a little bit of that there, but I mean, look, I just, I read this morning that 17 million people are going to be, un, you know, yeah. unemployed in the next six right. months. And so, yeah, it's, it's a much more affordable. I mean, I, I modeled it over my own care, Cara, which is like, as someone who was passionate about functional medicine, you know, when my, when my daughter was born, like my, the insurance that I could have got wouldn't have covered the home birth that I wanted to have, wouldn't have covered, covered Dr. Larry Pilevsky, who was the pediatrician that I wanted to see, you know, it wouldn't have covered any of the things that, so I was like, well, why am I going to pay $2,000 a month for something that's yeah. not going to do that? Why don't I pay a lot less to take care of just the downside risk of something going seriously wrong and then pay for Dr. Pilevsky's $300 an hour fee because he's the best pediatrician I've ever come across. Like I want him. I, he doesn't take insurance. So I'm just going to do that. And so I think for a lot of us, you know, it makes a lot of sense to decouple risk prevention and care. And ultimately I think everyone just thinks about insurance like, Oh, what's your, what's your insurance? And what they're actually saying is what's your health plan? 
because you know you know the thing that you buy from blue cross blue shield isn't insurance it's a health plan disguised as insurance and ultimately by decoupling risk prevention and and care you know you can actually choose functional first um and that's that's what i saw so yeah i mean it's working it's growing it's had its challenges you know i've learned a lot my business partner died a year ago mm-hmm. in the middle of like um him you know starting to, to work this out so it's definitely had some like teething issues but ultimately it's working people are getting it people are saving money people are using it and the partner that we chose that does all of the medical cost sharing is by far the best player in that space in terms of quickly processing claims having an app that you can submit claims you know not being in the eyes of the regulators as doing the wrong thing you know there have been some bad actors that have come into the you know into the medical cost sharing space that have kind of like poisoned the well a little bit but the 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 organization that we partnered with has basically zero complaints and that's why they keep staying you know in business and uh, and we accepting people in 47 states because the service is excellent and that's all i can say okay that's cool uh, yeah i agree with you i'm using a, a cost share service too i it, it was a no-brainer for what we were paying for yeah you, you know, get it not much return um no. okay and though so so covid is upon us um at this recording virtual visits are happening virtual group visits are starting to happen you know my originally we were going to just talk about what you're up to and 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 i still want to but i want you to just address you know what you guys are doing over there what you're thinking about james just in light of this new uh in this pandemic and the new information that's brought forward so what's, what's up for you now? Yeah, look, first things first, you know, if you're a clinician listening to this, you've got to have a way to interact with people digitally. And so, you know, we've been talking about this for six years. I, if you go to goevomed.com now, there's a blog, which will give you step-by-step instructions on how to get set up for telemedicine one-on-one. So like how to book appointments, how to deliver on the appointments, how to do the supplements, how to do the labs. I mean, that is just like 101. You've got mm-hmm. to be ready for that. Um, if you go back and see, you know, we did make a webinar on virtual group visits, and I think that anyone could be executing that, either A, as a, um, an, a revenue-producing engine itself, or B, more likely, a way to add value and keep engagement with your patient population, and then let them know, hey, we have telemedicine appointments, so a way to, like, drive revenue of the, uh, of the telemedicine appointments. So I think that's, like, the very, very basics. And then, you know, just adding value to your community. So I've had some clinics out there that have just been making, you know, they set up their telemedicine and then they have their assistant and the front desk who's not doing anything because they're not booking appointments with a nice script, calling every patient that's ever coming in, just saying, hey, this is uh, Jane calling from Dr. Smith's office and just wondering how you're getting on. Um, you know, I know this is a, a testing time and just having like micro conversations with all these patients and trying to schedule them into telemedicine visits and otherwise. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where we've been, um, helping the individual clinician. And, you know, for those, if you're interested in finding out more about this remote patient monitoring and, and that part in the next month, we're going to be, uh, kicking off actually with a PLMI event, uh, on the 16th of, uh, of, of April, um, you know, and if you're interested in that, if you go to goevomed.com slash remote patient monitoring, um, if you go there and just fill in a form, you know, we, we've got a, some, we'll be able to connect you with the resources. I mean, ultimately that's really for people who are already taking insurance 
and want to sort of work out how to how to do that a bit more efficiently and, and maybe even take Medicare again. Um, it's a big stretch sure. to think that a person who's not taking any insurance is suddenly going to open a Medicare contract, but maybe they will. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, I guess I just want to say, Cara, is I feel like the future is extremely bright for our community. I think there's going to be a dip in the short term as everyone's attention is on this like microbe. But at, the, at this exact moment, there's no drugs, right? There's no vaccines. There's no solution apart from doing all the things that functional medicine doctors have been telling you to do for 20 years, which is to, you know, make yourself hard to kill. And that's, um, that's about, you know, having a strong immune system. You know, Dr. Pilevsky, who was my pediatrician for my daughter, he said, uh, he used to say, you can't boost your immune system, but you can definitely get, you could take the things away that are, you know, that are, um, killing your immune system or reducing its function. So there's a lot that we can do personally. And I would just say that the biggest thing that I would recommend is, is find a way to use things like Zoom technology to be able to build community. Like for the meetup groups that we have around the world, like we've been encouraging our meetup groups of practitioners to form you know, connections on WhatsApp and Zoom and still have community in that way because loneliness is the biggest driver of all cause mortality. Like find ways through your practice to introduce patients to each other in a Zoom environment. And, you know, right now, you know, in, by the time April and May comes around, you know, people are going to be super lonely. And I'm, I'm very fortunate. I'm in a family of three plus a dog. So I have some people around me, but I know there's a lot of people that live by themselves. And so be, being a, a sort of a leader in bringing local people together through a digital environment, I think is a great positioning for you and your clinic moving forward. And if you have some time, in the next two months, really think about what do you want your clinic to be like on the other side? Because the chances are, this isn't the last time that this happens. No, and so no. I really love for all clinicians to really think like, is this the time that I plan and execute a membership model? You know, is this the time that I start to really plan around my digital infrastructure? And um, if, if you have any of those questions, we'd love, to, uh, we'd love to be in support. Fabulous, all right. Thank you so much for dropping in on New Frontier today, Dan. It's really good to connect with you and I, your, your message is really, is timely. Thank you, Cara, and thanks for being on the front lines. You know, I know uh, a lot of people uh, look to you as a, as a leader in the space and have learned a lot from you as a clinician. And ultimately, you know, it's gonna take all of us as a, as a community to improve the quality of care, improve the delivery systems to make it more affordable. And um, I think, you know, I called my business the evolution of medicine because I was like, look, it's just medicine adapting to its new environment. And okay. I think a lot of people have started to realize that, you know, that, that, that environment of chronic diseases, this was in functional medicine was a necessary adaptation. Well, yeah. look, the environment just changed. So we got to adapt. And that's, that's, right. that's what it is. Uh, yeah. Well said. Okay. Thank you. And that wraps up another amazing conversation with a great mind in functional medicine. I am so glad that you could join me. None of this would be possible through the years without our generous, wonderful sponsors, including Integrative Therapeutics, Metagenics, and Biotics. These are companies that I trust and I use with my patients every single day.
Visit them at integrativepro.com, bioticsresearch.com, and metagenics.com. Please tell them that I sent you and thank them for making new frontiers in functional medicine possible. And one more thing, leave a review and a thumbs up on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you're hearing my voice. Um, these kind of comments will promote new frontiers in functional medicine, getting the word on functional medicine out there to the greater community. And for that, I thank you. Until next time.